Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Draymond Green, top of the key, finds Curry. Turns, fires, and hits a three and got fouled by Mike Conley. He's going for a four-point play. Draymond brings it up on the jaw. Crosses midcourt down to four seconds, three seconds. Draymond goes all the way in and dunked it. They caught Gobert outside, and Draymond took it right to the rack. Two seconds to go. Right side, Curry. Pump fake, flyby, three ball. Around it down for Curry. Here comes Curry right down Broadway. Teardrop over Gobert. Crawls over the rim and drop through. And there are the highlights as the Golden State Warriors use a 15-0 run in the first quarter to build a big lead. Jazz get within a point, but the Warriors pull away and get the win, 131-119. to Jazz 1-1 one one after the break, 4-5 and five in the last nine. And PK, a lot of what we saw at the end of the Houston game, we continued to see during the Warrior game. Not a lot of stops. Turnovers leading to fast breaks. Whenever the Warriors seemed to hit a lull, there seemed to be an easy two points to get them going again. Uh, sure. Fast break points for the Warriors were 19 points. I think the shooting from the three also. Yeah, they uh, the buried him there with 51% from three. And, and with uh, like a four or five point lead late in the game, they got three real quick. One of them from Curry, but not all of them. Other guys hit shots too. But Curry, six of nine. Quinn mentioned that in the Post game that we just heard about half an hour ago, 40 minutes ago, uh, you know, they had a game plan to deny him the ball, and Quinn was clearly not happy that he got nine attempts. Regardless of how many he made, the nine attempts was not what they were going for. No, they were not. And there you go. Rudy Gobert, franchise record for rebounds with 28 in the loss. But that just becomes a footnote in a defeat as the Jazz drop to 28-10. and 10. Jazz in Boston to play the Celtics tomorrow on TNT. We'll have more on the Jazz coming up. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Shea, snaking right. In the lane, arts a fadeaway. 13-foot jumper and rips the cores. Boy, Gildas Alexander loves moments like this among the best clutch players in basketball as 23. And can't try to do too much here. He's working against Gary Trent. He steps back. Left side three on the way, and he hits. How about that for an answer? Oh, and he's got words for Gary Trent Jr. coming back down the floor. Tatum wants to walk the dog here. Tough angle on the entry pass. Tatum has it now. Exposes the ball. It's knocked away. Tatum has it back across half court. Launches a deep three, and he hits it. Lonzo Ball with a steal. Bad bounce pass from George. Alley-oop! Bledsoe see. Thunder! Thunder! From the rafters! Thundercats! Highlights from around the NBA. The Clippers getting beat by 20 in New Orleans. The Pelicans. 135 points. That is a huge total. And the Clippers, they had Kawhi Leonard. They had Paul George. They largely had their guys there, PK. What happened? Uh, well, Charles Smith isn't walking through that door. There it is. The Charles Smith. <laughs> also, the Blazers got beat. So three of the top six teams in the West played Sunday, and three of the top six in the West went down. Minnesota beat Portland 114-112. to Anthony Edwards, a career-high 34 points in the win. 
Not a real impressive performance there by the top of the conference. It was a rough weekend with the Suns losing Saturday. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying last night on my swan song, that the situation with the Jazz, everybody else is losing. So as far as them getting the number one seed with Anthony Davis still being at least two weeks away, which obviously brings us into April, that I don't know that the teams are going to catch the Jazz, even if the Jazz come nowhere near playing or replicating what they did in the first half. That may well be true. Uh Larry the Laker is already up and tweeting from the basement this morning. Uh, Locke has the bad uh, stretch for multiple teams in the West, and Larry points out, yeah, and all those teams are healthy, except for the Lakers. The Lakers are missing, guys. The Clippers aren't. The Jazz aren't. And they are all just piling up the losses at a rate you would expect a a ninth-place team or seventh-place team or something to play out, not teams, you know, one, two, three, four. Yeah, I doubt Larry the Laker is already up. I think it's from last night. <laughs> Boston beat Houston 134-107. to Jason Tatum, 23 points in Boston's route. Celtics will host the Jazz, and they'll be coming off a win when they meet on Tuesday. Also, the Sixers, 134-99 to over the Spurs. Tobias Harris with 23 points to lead the way for Philadelphia. And dozens of members of the Pelicans organization, including multiple players, received their first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine over the weekend. The athletes eligible due to their having a body mass index of over 25. It's a criterion many NBA players hit despite being pro athletes. So the league doesn't want to tell players to get the vaccine. We'll see how many do and if that slows the, uh, the number of suspended games we see and how that'll play out going forward. Well, all the league. Forget about the league. It's what LeBron says. LeBron will tell him to get vaccinated or not, and then everyone will do it or not. LeBron's our leader. LeBron. Whatever he says, we fall in line. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. You know, we've been just doing everything we can to stay healthy. I, I do think that because of what happened last year, we just had this incredible sense of urgency to, to stay healthy and to, and to play well. And I think we also have an unbelievable amount of gratitude for the opportunity we have to do this. This has been a long, winding story to finally get a chance to play in the postseason. And I know our guys right now are so grateful. And I know our guys that missed out on it last year are also super grateful and cheering for us. And so we're just excited. I mean, we're grateful for this opportunity. There's Mark Pope, BYU coach, talking about his Cougars, who are a sixth seed and get either UCLA or Michigan State. Those two meet Thursday in a first four game. And then BYU will play the winner of that game Saturday for Saturday at 740, right in prime time. Chance to get a win, PK, and there haven't been a lot of those over the last 25 years. Three with Jimmer, but not much else. So a big opportunity for the Cougars, who are – Seated is the favorite. It is the sixth seed. Yeah, I don't know what the odds will be once that comes out. I'm assuming Michigan State wins. That's who I would bet on. Michigan State having beaten two number one seeds. Uh, Bruins are just not playing well, and they've got two other guys out. So I would think that Michigan State would get that. And then it sets it up for BYU. And and I'm I'm writing about this. It'll be posted tomorrow at KSL.com. I'm so glad I'm free to say KSL.com right now. Um, That's where my stories are as our website continues to go uh, reconstruction. 
But this is their time, man. I mean, what more Pope said, you can say that about every team in the country, about being grateful and excited and doing everything they can to avoid COVID. I don't think that's unique. But this is Mark Pope's opportunity to really separate himself because doing what he's doing is great. And he's rejuvenated and re-energized the team. There's no question about that. But you got to win in the NCAA tournament. And we'll see if he can do that because that's what matters, especially now that you're in the West Coast Conference. Being second in the West Coast Conference is no big deal. It just isn't. It means you've lost to Gonzaga and you beat Pepperdine and Loyola Marymount and San Diego, and I realize he didn't play them this year, and Pacific and Portland. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, we're going on a decade of this now. Gonzaga wins the lead. BYU and St. Mary's fights for second and third, and then there's everybody else. And, and you've, you've overcome St. Mary's. You've, you're two for two in finishing second. You're two for two in going to the tournament. Obviously, they didn't have it last year, but they would have gone. So now's your chance, man. This is a great opportunity. They've seeded you to win, and here's the thing that you can do, because they haven't had a win at this round since Jimmer. I think they won two playing games, right? But I don't think they've won. They have not won in the field of 64. You are correct. Yeah. They won in the yeah. And this is a great opportunity to really show us what you're doing with the program. You can have the best locker room in America, but you got to win in the NCAA tournament. And he knows that, saying nothing that he does not know already. Well, he's a, Mark Polk's a Kentucky guy as a player, so he knows all about the tournament. It's his first trip as a head coach, but he's got plenty of experience with the tournament. Utah State is in as an 11 seed. They're taking on six-seeded Texas Tech. And that game's Friday at 11.45 on TNT. The Aggies, for all the, uh, for all the stress about in, are they in or are they out? And uh, not only were they in, they were well in. They avoid the first four. So two I didn't teams. see if there was any stress. Two teams from the Mountain West are in. CSU and Boise State didn't make That's it. That's why I don't pay attention to that. You obsess over Joel Lenardi and these guys. To me, the Mountain West is going to get two teams. Every year, they're going to get two teams. And it was clear that the second team was going to be the loser of that game on Saturday. It was so overwhelmingly obvious to me that that's what it was going to be. And the Aggies won it convincingly, so they're in. The West not really seeded, with the exception of Gonzaga, who's number one seed, and everyone's going to pick them to the Final Four, and many people will pick them to win the uh, the title. But after Gonzaga, Colorado, the next best seed at five. You got uh, you got anybody you think can get to the Sweet Sixteen? USC's a six, Oregon's a, a seven. Anybody you like? Your Grand uh, Your Grand Canyon, one of your many schools, a fifteen seed. My Gauchos are a twelve. Anybody out of the West? I think SC has the talent, too. I don't know if they will. Six seed, they're waiting for the winner of a uh, first four game, two, either Drake or Wichita State. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. After 15 years in the Saints and 20 years in the NFL, our dad is finally going to retire. So we can spend more time with us. Drew Brees with that post on social media. As the kid's announcing he's done. He waited for the date that was the anniversary of him signing in New Orleans. So he's out. And now we can see if the Saints are going to cut a deal for Russell Wilson. Now, five months of offseason isn't enough time, kids. 
<laughs> no. 12 months a year. Drew Brees will now drive the carpool. He already announced well, I, he's going to NBC Sports this morning. Well, well Yeah, he had, that was already planned. Uh, yeah. they, they were advertising that, uh, what, during the golf yes, yesterday, uh, watching the players. I mean, they'd already had it set up that Drew Brees was going to be on this morning. So it was clear it was orchestrated. My father worked two jobs my whole life, and i got to listen to these kids who will never have to worry a day in their life about anything financial, and they'll get to spend more time with their kid, his, their dad. Yay. Oh, my gosh. Taysom Hill received a restructured four-year, $140 million contract yesterday from the Saints. But all four years will be voided. His cap hit will drop to $8.4 million from $16 million this season, creating more room if they were to bring in a all-pro quarterback with a Super Bowl ring. So you think they're trading for Russell Wilson? No, I want to see if they will, but he's won. (laughs) He had four teams uh, on his list, and the Saints were one of them. And the Cowboys were one of them, and the Cowboys gave the money to Prescott, so Dak Prescott. So now he's got three teams on his list. So I don't know it'll happen, but it does look like it's being set up for them to go get somebody. And maybe it'll be somebody else. So you don't think Jason Hill has a snowball's chance to be the starting quarterback? I think the Saints are looking like they want to make a move, but he could be if they don't make the move, but I think they're clearly looking like they want to. So he's option number two at best. Yes. I think that's true. Okay. Green Bay Packers got an agreement. They're keeping running back Aaron Jones on a four-year $48 million deal. So he is staying put. And there should be a lot more NFL news over the next couple days because it's now legal to talk to, or it's by the rules. It's not illegal, but legal NFL rules. Yeah, so, of course... People have probably been talking anyway. But now it's okay for them to talk. And then the new league year starts on Wednesday. And we'll probably hear a lot about deals and trades being officially completed at that point. But if you love the if you love the offseason for the NFL, this is when it really gets going. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. College football, Dixie State lost big, Cal Poly won on the road, and Weber State down 10, second-ranked. Southern Utah won on the road. Excuse me, Southern Utah won on the road at Cal Poly, 34-24. Weber State ranked number two, beat UC Davis. I think they were ranked like 23. So that was a big test for Weber State as we wait to see if they can get through the six-game regular season and get a high seed in the playoffs. A little tense there for a while, PK. They finally got the offense going in the third quarter. Jay Hill... Going for it on fourth and one in his own end of the field in the third quarter, down 10. Big play to swing the momentum. Whew. They beat Dan Hawkins. Hit him, brother! And they get the win. They're off for two weeks. They play NIU at home, or NAU at home. New Florida State quarterback Mackenzie Milton says he's feeling confident after his first practices with the Seminoles after transferring UCF as he seeks to return from a devastating knee injury. He hasn't been able to play the last two years, dislocating his right knee and suffering ligament, nerve, and artery damage during the game with USF. He's been out ever since. See if he can come back. And we will talk spring football with the Utes. You got questions for Kyle Whittingham, for Andy Ludwig, Utah quarterbacks. Running out some big names here in the first spring football media availability today at 8 o'clock, live here on The Zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 
Clayton Kershaw will make his 11th opening day start for the Dodgers on April 1st, barring anything unforeseen, according to manager Dave Roberts. How many guys in the Dodger rotation are worthy of getting an opening day start? I mean, the Dodgers can only start one of them, but if, if guys were on other clubs, how many guys do you look at and think, yeah, he's an opening day starter? I think three for sure. I wouldn't put Price up there anymore, but I certainly would go with Bueller and Bauer. Oh, that's awfully good, isn't it? Three guys who are and one guy who used to be an opening day starter? Well, funny, the one who isn't, I don't think he is better than the other two, but I think he's getting it based on the seniority and the run that he's had. Meaning I think the other two guys are better than Right. right Kershaw's no longer the Dodgers' number one starter. He's probably their number three starter, but he could be a number one for a lot of teams, and because he's been a Dodger all these years, he's the guy. Right. So it is somewhat ceremonial, although it's not like he's been left out for pasture. (laughs) Right. And he's going to guarantee to get hammered, like I told you. Zach Greinke was a couple years ago. Yankees manager Aaron Boone said he's feeling awesome two weeks after having a pacemaker inserted. Boone missed three spring training games while undergoing the procedure. And that makes me nervous, man. Right? He just turned 48 last week. Yeah. And if he's feeling awesome, it's because the blood is pumping again, which says what was going on before the pacemaker. I know. Yikes. So he got that at 47. All right. About to turn 48. So basically 48. Man. Yeah. That's a little scary. Arizona Diamondbacks first base coach Dave McKay suffered a broken rib and lacerated spleen in a fall in the dugout last week. That's no good. Diamond manager Troy Lovello said the 30-year-old McKay was wearing a new pair 30, of shoes. 71. 71. Wearing a new pair of shoes, tripped on the bottom step of the dugout, fell against the bench during a game with the Giants. Expected to miss about a week before he returns. He'll be back. He'll be back opening day. He'll be back when it matters. There you go. <laughs> what is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. I have a little baseball thing for you. What do you got? Tatis Jr. Uh-huh. FT2, as I'm calling him. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. He gets on, I'm watching the game the other day against the Diamondbacks. He gets on base, infield single. Then, ball next batter, and he's leading off. Next batter hits one off the pitcher, ricochets to second, the second baseman coming in towards the pitching man. We've seen that from time to time, right? And then he has to throw a little underhand, make an underhand throw to first base. They get the runner. They get the runner. But Tatis goes all the way to third. Then Machado's up. He hits a pop-up. A pop-up that is into short center. The second baseman, who, of course, is in the shift, so he's on the uh, left side of the bag. He's in short center. Extended infield. Makes the catch. Tatis scores on a sack fly. The guy is the most exciting player we have in the big leagues today. The, uh, he, they score a run on balls that weren't hit a combined 300 feet. Amazing. I was not watching when it happened, but I saw the Padres' Twitter feed, so I saw it, and when he hit the bag at sink and went for third, there was an ever-so-slight, just bare moment of hesitation as he peeked over his shoulder, but you could tell that was just to confirm what he was already thinking about going from first to second. 
I'm going to I'm going to make it to third here. And, and there was a, just a maybe just the slightest bit of hesitation, but he's done it before, he'll do it again and he knew on that play he wanted third. He wanted third base and he was going for it. FT2. FT2 flying around the bases, making something out of nothing. Who plays small ball anymore? Amazing. FT2. All by himself, not the Padres as a whole, but FT2 individually. We'll try to do it. All right, coming up, college football, Kyle Whittingham, Utah Spring Ball, 8 o'clock. Andy Lugwood and the quarterback scheduled to speak today. We will hear from them. 9 o'clock, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Question of the day coming up next, DJ and PK. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Tell you what. If anybody has a problem on their mind, call in today, and Austin will play the role of the uh, receptionist. <laughs> Are you and, eating? Yeah, sorry. I, uh, I really wanted to see if I could eat this on the air without you noticing. Sounds like you're eating a peanut butter cupcake. <laughs> There's no way you were going to hide that. Do you know what it is? Disrespectful. <laughs> Rude. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> this was a piece of caramel. You ate a piece of caramel and didn't think we'd notice? (laughs) I wanted to see if you would, just for fun. It wasn't, and we did. (laughs) Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toes, brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Right now, you can get up to $6,000 in purchase allowance on the XT lineup. Experience the luxury you deserve by booking a test drive today. All right, we got multiple questions. We'll get to part two in college hoops in the NCAA tournament coming up in the next segment. But right now, focus on the Utah Jazz. The Jazz losing to the Warriors. What is up with that? Corey said turnovers. And the Warriors seem to hit every three. Rick said it seemed like every time Bogey touched the ball, he turned it over. Terrible game. Bogey had four turnovers in this one. So did Mitchell and Joe Ingles had three. Well, I can understand Mitchell and Ingles because they... They run more pick and rolls. Yeah, I mean, they they have the ball a lot more. Uh, The Majerus used to break down turnovers by position. And, and like, if if Van Horn ever had four, he would go nuts. Of course, he loved to get on Keith. That's the way it worked. You know, where much is given, much is expected type deal. And that's where Bogdanovich is. He doesn't have nearly as many assists or handle the ball as much to justify four turnovers. And two of them came right off the bat to give the Warriors life right from the start. He's not consistently playing well. He's not matching last season at all, really. Yeah, I don't think he's come anywhere close occasionally. But without looking at numbers, and I'll let you nerds do that, it doesn't look like to me the eyeball test that he's as consistent as he was last year, and he's hurting the ball club because they got other guys that can really help them. Yak, look at his numbers. He was talking to you. I'm talking to everybody who wants to look at the numbers. I mean, they want to look at the numbers, fine. Yeah, you can feel it, but you can feel it watching the games. He's not having as big an impact as he did. And Gwen says, I'm worried about Bogey. I feel like he shouldn't have been in at the end of the game. Donovan wasn't great either. I don't think he was in. Didn't they have Joe in? Joe Ingles got to play a lot of fourth quarter Joe minutes. Joe closed the game. Yeah. Yep. And Quinn and got asked about that. that. Quinn asked about that, and he said, we've used Joe to close other games. So. I thought they should have used him in Philly. Yeah. Because he had it going on against Philly, and he didn't play the last regulation portion, and then he didn't play it all in overtime, if I remember correctly. And Tobias Harris ate Bogdanovich's lunch. 
and I thought it was a mistake, and that's what I'm paid to do, second guess, and I thought that was a mistake. So I was glad to see that Ingles was in there, because right now I don't think there's any doubt that Ingles is playing individually, playing better than Bogdanovich is. But they still had their chances in the fourth quarter, and they got within a point, and that lineup didn't do it either. Uh, honestly, Chowder says here, uh, honestly, Chowder Martinez, honestly, it's the same way they started the season. Slow, behind teams, random as bleep. But they'll get it together again. No worries. It's a little more confidence than we're getting from most people on the Facebook page this morning. Did he swear on our Facebook page? Uh, he did not. He abbreviated Uh-oh. it. It's a common way to do it so that the censors don't uh, you know, sideline your account. Well, I don't think Facebook would do that. I think that I'm the censor. I mean, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, Facebook is known to censor, but I don't think they censor foul language like that. Scott says Snyder is too stubborn with his rotations. He sticks with the same rotations at the same point in every game, regardless of matchups. He killed a few different momentum swings that Jazz were starting by subbing out the hot hand. And they're in first place. <laughs> There's that. Thing is, if you go the hot hand and give a guy a lot of minutes, then coaches worry that, A, the guy they don't put in, um, his level is going to suffer, and that they're going to wear out the guy they do put in. And they worry about that in years when there's more off time, there's less off time this year. Play a guy big minutes, how's he going to be in the next game? Most coaches tend to stick to their rotations. It seems like that's the way the NBA's trended, a little less riding the hot hand. Sometimes coaches yeah, do it. and I get that, generally speaking, but I think there are times when someone is 6 for 7 and the other guy is 2 for 10. Ride him and, for a couple and, more minutes. And he, and he can't play defense as Philadelphia, and I don't think Doc Rivers is some genius of a coach, but figured out, let's just go right at him. Tobias Harris, you're our guy. In a game in which Embiid was just all that, and they, they just ignored Embiid in overtime and went right at uh, Bogdanovich. So I think in sometimes, I don't think you can just go by your book, whatever your book individually says at all times. And I think in that situation against Philadelphia, I would have liked to have seen a change. I don't know that yesterday, well, they did change it and it didn't make a difference. Um, the Warriors shooting 50%, 51% from three is going to be tough to overcome. Josh says, stop turning the freaking ball over. <laughs> if only it were that simple. Yeah, the turnovers actually were even, though. It wasn't the number. It was what Donovan said. It was the timing. You know, they, they got close, and, then, and, they, had, and they were defending, too, it, it, in stretches. And then they had a turnover, and the Warriors get an easy break. And it was just – that happened a couple times in the fourth quarter. It was just so – the timing was just brutal. But it wasn't that I, – I was surprised, and you can see Donovan was surprised when he looked at the box score because he did it on camera in the post game. He's like, we had – he goes, no, oh, we only had 14. They yeah, each but it had was the 14, t- and they yeah. each had 19 points off of turnovers. So obviously that's dead even. I think that if you're looking statistically, if you're just going on numbers, which I don't think you can ever do, but if you're just going on numbers, it was the three-point shooting, yep. 51% versus 34%. And I think the timing of those was really good, too. The Warriors, and they had different guys hitting threes in the fourth quarter, and the Jazz were right there you know, 10 minutes ago, 7 minutes ago. But, 
And, and that was basically how the Warriors got their points in that stretch of the game. They got some turnovers, and they got uh, you know one-on-none, somebody all by himself for a layup or a dunk. And then they hit threes on multiple possessions in a row. And some of them were really good, were just really wide open. I mean, it, how it got screwed up to get to that point, you know, that's, I guess, what they'll spend their time today going back and looking at who, who didn't rotate where when they were supposed to. But some of those shots were wide open. I wonder what the stats would say in today's NBA where most teams, I think, are shooting at least 33s in a game. That doesn't seem like an outrageous number anymore, right? So let's use 30 as the standard. You attempt 33s and you make at least 15 of them. I wonder what their one-loss record is. Probably very good. (laughs) I couldn't tell you if it's... You know, 65%, 75% or whatever. But those are numbers that you're hoping to hit. And right. You know, you're right about the attempts. 30 is just, that's not a big deal to look at a box score and see somebody with 30. No, I don't think so. The, the Jazz number has been, you know, try to get to 40. And I think mm-hmm, they've actually, right. I'd have to check recently, but I think they've been averaging like 42 threes. And they shoot in the high 30%. But there's plenty of teams <laughs> shooting in that uh 33, 35% range. So maybe, and I'm not, not completely, not, I'm not saying completely, but maybe uh, write it off to the Warriors being extremely hot from behind the line and rather than dissect it a thousand ways and think this team's in a big-time slump and it's going to come crashing down and this is who they are and over any 10-game stretch the rest of the way, they're going to be battling to be 5-5. Five and five. Well, you have to write some of them off because they're not going 21 out of 22 again because they would be setting all kinds of NBA records if they did that. So, you know, can they go 7 out of 10, uh, 6 out of 10, and win 65% of their games, win two-thirds of your game? You figure you're going to have some 6 out of 10 and 7 out of 10 runs here. But I think it's... um, and this is where you're right to crack on the numbers, to go beyond the numbers, because sometimes guys get open shots and they just miss them. So you didn't right. play great defense. They just right. missed the shot. Right. Um, and at the same time, you could be right on somebody, and if they throw it in, they throw it in. What are you going to do? So I think you got to go back what and look do? at those yeah. 31 threes and say, how often did they run the offense, move the ball to exactly the spot they wanted and get the guy the shot they wanted, and he was open. He had a little separation. Because that's a better measure of good or bad defense as opposed to the numbers. I mean, over time, guys are going to make fewer contested threes, and they're going to make more open threes. But, you know, if you're going into one of these games, especially just one game here with the Warriors and the 15 they made, how often, I mean, Quinn in his postgame, and we ran it last night, said, you know, they had a game plan on how to keep the ball away from Steph, and he was not happy that Steph got nine attempts. He didn't go to the six makes. He went to the nine attempts, you know, because I you can't don't, really I don't control think he beat Steph. You, though. Well, he certainly didn't by himself. I mean, he made six, so there were I mean, you, there were nine other threes by guys who are Wiggins kind goes of guys. ten of six, twelve of sixteen. Okay, that's bothersome. What really is bothersome is three bench guys. Mm-hmm. Paschal, 4 of 6, Wiseman, 8 and 11, 8 of 11, and then Poole, 6 of 11. Yeah. 
And Pascal that's, had, that's bothersome. And Pascal had one in that run of those key threes that blew the game open in the final you know five minutes, whatever it was. And his three was wide open. He was all alone. Somebody messed up. And maybe more than one person messed up, but yeah, somebody had to have messed shot up. And he made it. Yeah, yeah, he and was wide guys, open. And four of six, uh, they went. Uh, four of seven, Wiseman. He's not really a three-point shooter. And then Wiggum's three of four. So these, at best, average guys. Although I like Wiseman, I really think he's going to develop. I mean, he's still in diapers as far as the <laughs> NBA goes. You, know what you should I mean? have to play your rookie year in diapers. I mean, it, visual. It, when you're that young. He didn't even play three college games, and he had the the eligibility issue with Memphis uh, last year. But I do like him, uh, and he missed a drug test uh, over the break, and so they benched him to an extent in the first game, and they moved him out of the starting lineup. He looks like he's going to be a player uh, down the line, but you got to give him some time to develop. But that was a very nice game for him. But Jordan Poole, he was in the G League a couple of weeks ago. 18 points, you just you can't have that. At least Wiggins, who hasn't lived up to being a, a number one pick, but at least he's been an NBA player for a while. Although I don't, I just don't like him going 12 of 16. That that's I can live with Curry's 32, and his nine three point attempts, because he's Steph Curry, and he's marvelous. But it's the other guys that really got under my skin, and I think part of it was those turnovers early that gave those guys life. And then they come in without any fear, without any sense of, man, I better produce here. They come in all loose and, and they're playing and just having fun. And, and there you go. And they open up a, a decent lead. And the Jazz are playing catch up the entire game. Ray says, what's up is our inability to defend. Donovan minus 26, Bogey minus 24. Things are not trending well. Donovan puts up numbers, but he is not efficient. So referencing the minus 26 and the minus 24 is the plus minus, and the guys who didn't play with Rudy had a bad plus minus. Well, Mitchell played with Rudy. Right, but the guys who had to play the minutes when Rudy sat down. So when Rudy sat down, the Warriors went on runs. And it was clear that when he sat down, the Warriors were going to the rim. I thought that's why Mike Conley was an absolute slam dunk all-star because of his plus minus. Now it turns out his plus minus is only beneficiary because he's playing with Rudy? It is a positive. It absolutely <laughs> helps you. That's why, although we don't go into it, that's why people look at all that five-man and four-man lineup stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, they ran it up the flagpole about the plus minus. Yep. And now it's all just because of Rudy. I can't say it's all just because of Rudy, but it's a major bonus to play with Rudy behind you blocking shots. It is a major bonus. And not just that, but guys just like, yeah, I'm not even trying. (laughs) Well, it didn't look like Favors had much bounce. No, it didn't. It looked like he played below the rim. And it's not the first time. And I think that's the thing to look for. There are games where he looks more explosive, and there are games where he looks less explosive. And, you know, if guys don't want to play below the rim, the guys who play below the rim largely have to for one reason or another. I know I always did. And, you know, is, is he healthy? And Quinn got asked that in the post game, and he gave an answer. It didn't answer whether he was healthy or not, but he spoke for quite a while after. So he, he gave an there. answer? He gave an answer, <laughs> yeah. That's good. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't the answer. It wasn't, we didn't hear, 
yeah, he's got a back problem or a knee problem or an ankle problem or whatever. And it wasn't, uh, he's 100% healthy. I don't know what the deal was. It was, well, there were several things happening out there with our rotations and our, I don't want to put it all on one guy. He didn't get to, you know, he's not going to address. They didn't answer the, the specific question. No. Which they rarely I was watching want the NCAA to. tournament uh, selection, yeah. and I didn't. I listened to the pregame. He did get asked uh, about uh, what is his favorite fan interaction. He said he didn't have any. Yeah, that was um, the guy from USA Today checking in, clearly working on a, the but, fans are uh, coming back story. Um, yeah, something's got to be done there because it was clear, it was noticeable, and you're never going to replace Gobert one for one. It's just not going to happen. I mean, we we know that, uh, but that wasn't. It wasn't effective there, and you can see the Warriors just light up and thinking, "All right, man, <laughs> we got a chance." To I'm get glad to I'm in the game now <laughs> right? because I don't have to worry about anything. I could just just dribble right to the hoop, and I'm going to get there. And that did happen, which has led to the Warriors shooting 56 percent. And I mean, well, I don't know what they so they were 50 of 89 and subtract 16 from 31, so their two percentage man is just way too high. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Question of the day, part two for you. Cougar and Aggie fans, all about the NCAA tournament. What are your expectations? We're going to get to that next. And then Kyle Whittingham and the Utes are talking spring football in about 20 minutes live right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Jordan Schultz, insider analyst for ESPN. With the first half in the books and, and what you know of the Utah Jazz, do you believe they have a shot at the championship? When they had that great three-point shooting month in January when they broke the all-time record, I said multiple times, Utah is a contender and Utah has a legitimate shot to win an NBA championship. They have everything you need. They have a great young player in Donovan Mitchell, a great coach, a force defensively in Rudy, a very very good point guard. They have experience. They're consistent. They shoot the ball extremely well. I think they're right in that conversation. I'm not going to say they're the favorite, but I think to answer your question, there's a definitive yes, and that's the first time I think we've said that in a long time. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Brackets are out. What's going to happen with BYU and Utah State? Mm, It's going to be sweet when they face off in the Final Four. (laughs) Alex says... I just want the Aggies to win in the tournament. It's been a while since they've got one in the big dance. 20 years. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't have it last year because they could have had two NBA players. I think Kate is an NBA player, and obviously Sam Earl has made the NBA, but nevertheless, that's where they're at. I, you know, I think they've got a shot because they've got – they can play some defense. I thought that was a Majerus dream on Saturday, San Diego State and Utah State defensively. San Diego State really got after those guys, played great defense. It was somewhat of an old school game, and I think the Aggies can do that too. You got to hit shots, though. Got to hit enough shots to win. So and Texas Tech is not a prolific offensive team themselves. Uh, they got that McClung kid who was a transfer from Georgia, Georgetown, who was considering BYU, and he's their leading scorer at about 15 points a game. So I think they've, they've got a shot to win. I don't know that they will, but they've got a shot. And if you're looking for that one win, 
it's right there before you. So I'll give you that. They absolutely have a shot, and their defense has been excellent. But they've now had, what, three of the last four games where they basically had 20-point first halves, maybe a little more than that. That's what I'm saying. you got to hit shots. And that trend, I find that trend really, really distressing. It's in, And the thing about the NCAA tournament is that it's so different – and these are college kids, and if you're playing in it for the first time and you've watched it on TV, you don't know what's going to happen with the nerves, and some guys play really poorly and some guys play great. So what's come before it doesn't necessarily tell you what's going to happen in that game. And so I don't want to make too big a deal out of these, these three games, but, man, it has been such a struggle, and they could really dig themselves a hole if they struggle like that out of the gate. So, yes... Make shots, get yourself some easy looks somehow, and, and try to get going a little bit because it just seems like it almost seems like now it's a given that the first half has been a struggle. And it wasn't like that for a big chunk of the year, but for whatever reason, it is now. Sure. Well, I think competition has something to do with it. I think for whatever reason, I think I'll give you yeah, San Diego State, but that doesn't explain what happened at Fresno State. I mean, it shouldn't be the competition there. Mm. Certainly CSU and Utah State knew it was high stakes when they got on the floor. And San Diego State, I mean, that's their calling card for years now. You know you know they're going to defend you. Yeah, Especially in a conference athletes. tournament title when they've lost to you two years in a row. And then you, they had to go to Logan to start the regular season. They lost to you twice there. I mean, they're going to they're come out and absolutely want a piece of you. So. No, they're going to have to hit shots, yeah. I, I get it. I think they're going to have to hit shots. No question about it. All right, and for BYU, uh, we didn't get a lot of feedback about uh, BYU here, and I suppose that's uh, largely because they don't even know who they're playing. They don't. I mean, Although Neil two said two wins, so I don't know if he's thinking one apiece or he's thinking BYU to the Sweet 16. It's not out of the realm. But I'm not, I'm not even worried about that second game. Yeah. As, as Matt Harm said yesterday, second you think about the Sweet 16, you're, you're just diced. And here's a kid who's played in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight because he, he did it as uh, his first two years at Purdue. So that's when he was on there yesterday and as a senior leader and a mature kid uh, talking about that. And he's absolutely right. It's all about themselves here with an eye towards that Thursday game. And uh, they've got they've got shots. If you're seated sixth and you're playing an 11 seed, I don't care how big the name is of the uh, jersey of that 11 seed, you're expected to win. And it would be a major disappointment for these guys. These guys want to. Se- Mark Pope wants to separate himself from BYU's recent past, and the only way to do that is to win in the NCAA tournament. At least get one. DJ PK. Kyle Whittingham coming up next. Utah Spring Football. Stay with us.